Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come with me in your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 9. It's great to be back. Great to see the Contreras. Who was here Wednesday night when Natalie preached? Can we give this young lady some, some uh, love? Wow, 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 wow. My phone was blowing up because these guys were incredible in Salt Lake City at our Pathfinders conference. And did you open? Is that what I saw? You opened the... Pastor Natalie opened the conference and just set the bar so high. It was just amazing. Thank you for, for doing what you're doing. They need that out there because Mormonism, as most cults do, actually denigrate women and put, you know, uh, literally make women very, very subservient. It's, it's only Jesus who went around empowering and delivering women, bringing freedom to women, empowering them, elevating them. So to see a beautiful anointed woman of God preaching with fire and strength and confidence and passion and revelation is, you, you would have been breaking stereotypes and paradigms just being there being there and you know I was talking to Marco afterwards and he said you know I said man I heard your wife tore it up and he said yeah he says but you know husbandry and I said I know you know like obviously a wife's a product of your husbandry he's like yeah you know he said she was a shell of a woman when I married her now look now look at her he said you know and I said well you know I said you know she's obviously worked at it too he goes yeah yeah but I was the one that came up with the whole concept of putting it to work and um, so, so, so we should, should also thank Marco because he, I mean, he made sure he, he said, you know, he, and I said, you know, but she's got such a, such a strong work ethic. I said, you know, like she's just, where did she learn that? And he says, oh, you know, whenever we would get a flat tire, he said, I would, I would make her get out and change the tire. And he said, he, he said, and I would time her that if it took longer than three minutes, I'd be honking the horn and uh, <laughs> some of you may need to talk to Pastor. I personally don't think that that's how you should do it. And so if you feel led of the Lord to talk to Pastor Marco after service, I think you should. <laughs> oh my gosh, somebody put something in my water. That's what it is. So if that's the case. All right, come with me. Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. We're doing a brand new series. Yes. We've gone from taking a city, which we're still on, that's still in there, but now it's called It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. If you said to me, hey, pastor, what is God's will for my life? I would say it's for you to have a wonderful life. If you said to me, hey, you know, Chris and Denise Aguilar started coming to your church, how do you know, how do you know that what you're preaching is actually landing, I would say I would look at their life and I ask myself the question, 
Are they having a wonderful life? Are they having a wonderful marriage? Is, is he having a wonderful company, a wonderful business? Are they having wonderful vacations? Do they go out for wonderful meals? Do they have wonderful children? Is life wonderful? Life is meant to be wonderful. Do you know the Bible says that, that there were signs and wonders that attested to Jesus' ministry? That, that, that this gospel will be accompanied by signs and wonders. Your life should be full of wonders. Honestly, every time I wake up next to my Liani, I am full of wonder. I wonder what sins she committed in a previous life that she got stuck with me. And I wonder what so distracted God that he took his attention off. And I got a ring on her finger before God's like, hang on, that's not what... Oh, too late now. And so... <laughs> full of wonder. Your life should be full of wonder. So Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, for unto us a child is born. This is the Christmas, Christmas. You've seen a lot of Christmas cards, all the Hallmark cards when they want to do a Christmas theme. This is the verse in there. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Man, that makes me feel glad. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Now we know that they're going to, you know, try and use ballots to get them off his shoulder, but... Please understand the difference between votes and ballots. That's where America is at the moment. Good people like Pastor Marco go after people's votes. We win the votes. We win the, the votes, the voice, the heart of the people. Corrupt people don't care about the votes or the voice. They're going after ballots. That's why it's ballot harvesting. They, they legalize. It's amazing. Everywhere where there's dodgy stuff going on, it's amazing how... Anyway, so the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Yeshua ben Elohim. Excuse me. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love the first introduction. His name shall be called Wonderful. The title of my message today is His Name Shall Be Called Wonderful. When, when, when you know that you got the right Jesus, when, when He is mentioned, it's He's Wonderful. He's Wonderful. Wherever Jesus went, He did wonderful things. He is a wonderful God. I met Him on a beach when I was 18 years of age. And if you said to me, what's the, what's the biggest distinction? What, what, what's the, the one thing that you would proclaim about your life before Jesus and now life post-Jesus? I would say to you that when Jesus came into my life, my life became wonderful, became filled with wonder. Never lose the, the wonderful, never lose the wonder. So now come with me to Jesus' first sermon. Jesus' first sermon in Luke 6.37. Because, you know, there's a law called the law of first things. And I've got five points today in Jesus' name that I'm going to get through. Five points on how God wants you to have a wonderful life. Now here's the thing. His name shall be called wonderful. That's the first one, the introduction. You're like your, your first impression of Jesus is he's wonderful. He's wonderful. May I say this, that, that the shaping of your mindsets, your paradigms, your values, your morals, your ethics comes, comes from two sources. One is from the world, one is from the earth, and the other one is from the heavens. The earthly Adam died. The heavenly Adam brings life. God separated the waters beneath from the waters above in Genesis 
on, on purpose because the waters beneath you can't drink. 99% of the earth's water you can't drink. We are dependent on the waters above. We're dependent upon the rain to fill our dams with fresh water. You can't drink the ocean water because of the, the salt. In fact, it'll, it'll dehydrate you faster and it'll uh, take out your kidneys. So water above from water, because God is trying to tell us, don't take your source from the earth. Don't take your source from worldly education. Get your source from the word of God. Wherever Jesus went, life came. Wherever Jesus, so, so Jesus sits down and he's teaching. This is his very first sermon. This is the introductory sermon. We're going to pick it up in verse 37. In verse 37, Jesus says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom for, bosom for the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them, saying, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be just like his teacher. In other words, whatever you sit under, you'll become. Whatever you sit under, you'll become. A, a, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be just like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive a plank in your own eye? Well, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself don't even see the plank that is in your own eye, hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to remove the plank that is in your brother's eye. A tree is known by its fruit. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. Do men gather figs from thorns? No. Do they gather grapes from a bramble bush? No. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I show you what he is like. He is like a man who builds his house, who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great." What an incredible little passage, a little snip, snippet. So let me give you five quick thoughts. The first one on how to have a wonderful life is number one, measure your measure. Measure your measure. If, if we go back, Jesus opens in verse 37 with judge not and you won't be judged. Condemn not and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it'll be given to you. So Jesus is trying to make us aware that, that there really is a law of attraction. There is a law of sowing and reaping. The, the, in Middle Eastern religion, they, they, they call this thing karma. Well, they tried to label, they tried to put a badge. They, they put a badge on a phenomenon. They said, oh, uh, it's called karma. 
or you know, in the Western world, we have a, a, a different description. We say what goes around comes around. What goes around comes around. The Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 7, that God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows that he shall also reap. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows. I may have a Christian bumper sticker on my car. I may wear a cross around my neck. But I, I may be walking in poverty, brokenness, dysfunction, because it doesn't matter what sticker I have on my car, doesn't matter what jewelry I'm wearing around my neck, it's actually my life is a direct product of how much word is in my heart. How much word is in my heart. So Jesus says, uh, don't judge lest you be judged. Don't condemn because you'll be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. These themes are consistent. Give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. So Jesus is teaching us that there really is a law of attraction. The problem is in, in, uh, in California, which they call the land of granola, fruits, flakes, and nuts, we're determined to take the fruits, flakes, and nuts out of California. But a few years ago, a marketing company decided, and this is what they always do, they always steal truths from God's Word. They always steal biblical truths from God's words, and then they market it to make money, and they just remove God. They don't give any glory to God. They just use it. And so I remember one night I was, I was uh, putting a message together to preach at our youth group, and, and there was a guy sitting, sitting at the table beside me, and I thought, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to preach to youth, and I'm gonna, I need to grab some dinner. So I'm having... Uh, chicken and potatoes and there's a guy next to me and he says hey what are you doing I'm like um eating and writing he goes what are you writing for I said oh, I'm about to speak oh you're a speaker I'm about to speak I guess technically yes yes and he goes so am I awesome what do you speak on and I thought, I've got to shut this guy up. Jesus. I'm speaking on Jesus. And usually, that's the best way for me to get time alone on a plane. <laughs> Somebody next to me, you know, chatterbox wants to talk. So <laughs> uh, I serve Jesus. And then, thank you. The rest of the flight, it's awesome. So, so, but this didn't distract him. I said, Jesus. And he just kept talking. I said, have you ever heard of the secret? I'm like, no, I believe it's a secret. He's <laughs> like, yeah, you want to hear about it? I'm like, oh, I don't think you should be telling secrets. And so he starts telling me whether I wanted to hear it or not about the law of attraction. Because it's the law of attraction. He goes, you know, you just ask the universe, you just ask the universe for what you want, and the universe delivers it. It's like Amazon. Because, <laughs> you know, you just, you know, like, it's the secret. It's the law of attraction, the secret. So I get home and I start doing some research and I find that they've just taken Mark 11.24 and they've perverted it. In Mark 11.24 it says, whatsoever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So they just take out the when you pray. They just say, you know, you ask the universe. You ask the universe what you want, and then the universe will deliver to you only if you are congruent in that you believe. And they say, even if you have to deceive yourself into believing, just believe. So if you want wealth, just ask the universe for wealth, and then believe that wealth is coming.
coming to you. Just believe that wealth is coming to you. If you want success, if you want fame, if you want notoriety, whatever you want, you ask the universe, and then you just begin to believe that this stuff's coming. Fame's coming, money's coming, popularity's coming, influence is coming, leadership's coming. It's all coming. And they say, if you can do that, now you're, 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 you are a magnet and you're attracting these things. And then they, they have a teaching where they say, you know, don't, don't, don't say, oh my gosh, I'm late. Oh, I hope there's no red lights because from, 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 you'll hit all the red lights. And they say, you know, whatever you do, don't ask for anything negative because apparently the universe, as brilliant as it is, brilliant, just not intelligent, uh, can't, can't process negative. So you don't say to the universe, oh, um, I'd love to have an awesome life. I'd like to be wealthy, rich. Um, influential, but I don't want cancer. Uncle Bob died of, I don't want, and, but apparently, if you say to the universe, I don't want cancer, the universe, all it hears is, you, you, did you say cancer? <laughs> I, I distinctly heard somebody say, that was you, that was you, little buddy? Here you go, there's some cancer for you. Pass it on to your children. So, so apparently, the universe, quite brilliant, quite brilliant, just not intelligent. So, so this is the law of attraction. So I had to, you know, kind of pull some of our people off the, whatever the latest fad is, you know. We do pastor in California, so we have leaders that, oh my gosh, you got to, whatever it is. And so I had to kind of pull them back a little bit from the law of attraction and teach them the biblical law of attraction. <laughs> the biblical law of attraction goes like this. The world will lie to you. It'll tell you that you attract to you what you want. You attract to you what you want. The Bible teaches that there is a law of attraction. Jesus just showed us. But you don't attract to you what you want. You attract to you who you are. Jesus says, if you are always judging, you're going to come under judgment. If you're always condemning, you're going to come under condemnation because if you're not sowing grace, you can't reap grace. If you're not sowing mercy, you're not going to have any mercy to reap. If you're not sowing love and kindness, you've got no love and kindness harvest that you're going to reap. But Jesus says, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. Then he says, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. This is really important because if you talk to 99.9999% of Christians, they will tell you that their life is a direct reflection of God's will for their life. That they would say, well, you know, pastor, you know, I, I, sh I sure love to give more. I'd sure like to have more. I'd sure like to be, but you know, well, the Lord, we just, he moves in mysterious ways. No, no, no. Uh, Jesus came to tell you that the Lord doesn't move in mysterious ways, unpredictable. Like, you know, he just gets up one morning and he's like, Gabriel, throw everything I've ever taught you out of the window. I'm doing something different today. I'm just like that. I'm just crazy. I'm just, I'm just... God is unbelievably consistent. He is unbelievably. In fact, I would say he is wonderfully predictable. So Jesus says, if you judge, you come under judgment. If you condemn, you come under condemnation. 
If you're gracious, you receive grace. If you show forgiveness, you receive forgiveness. If you give, it'll be given back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. With the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. The Apostle Paul picks up on this and he says, if you sow sparingly, will you not reap sparingly? But whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that he shall reap. In other words, God does not set and God does not determine the level of affluence, influence, wealth, success, and blessing over your life, you do. You have to measure the measure. What measure of a man do you want to be? What measure of a woman? What measure of a Christian? What measure of God's kingdom do you want to have in your life? I have found that my external world changed when I began to allow His Word to change my internal world. When I allowed it to begin to shift my poverty mentality, my second best mentality, my minds of mentality, my insecurities, my weaknesses, my envy. When I allowed the Word of God to come in and begin to shift all of that, I noticed my world got larger and larger. The Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. There's a lot of people saying, Pastor, I'd sure like to sow. I just don't have any seed. We'll start sowing. No, you didn't hear me. I don't have any seed. If God would, you know, God's obviously blessed you, Pastor, but if he would, you know, if he would bless me, then I, no, 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 you don't understand. God gives seed to the sower. In other words, when you sow, God will redirect his resources because he looks for sowers. He gives seed to the sower. Forgiveness for those who forgive. So in the Bible, we see this. Now, that we don't attract to us what we want. We attract who we are. There's a guy called Jacob. He comes out of the womb grabbing his brother's heel. And so they name him Yaakov, which literally means heel grabber or like, you know, little thief. Because... He's trying to pull his brother back in so he can get out first because in Judaism, the firstborn gets a double portion of the entire estate. The firstborn gets a blessing. <clears throat> so Jacob is the secondborn. Esau is the eldest. And we, we see in the story that Jacob deceives Esau, defrauds Esau, takes advantage of a vulnerable Esau when he comes in from hunting and he's hungry in exchange for his birthright. And then it's only a few years later, his daddy, who is sitting blind in bed, knows that he's maybe got days left before he passes from this life. He wants to pray the blessing on Esau, his firstborn. And Jacob goes in, collaborates with his mother, and goes in wearing Esau's clothing. And because Esau was a hairy man and Jacob was smooth, the, the, they, they prepared his daddy's food the way that he likes it. But they took a young goat and they put the hairy skins on his wrist so when his dad's like who are you he's like oh, I'm Esau <laughs> he goes the voice is Jacob's come closer and he smelled the garment he says well that's the, that's my son's cologne he says but let me feel you and when he felt the he felt the hair he says oh and then he prays a blessing but the blessing wasn't on Esau the blessing was on Jacob pretending to be Esau so not only has Jacob deceived his brother of his father's blessing, but he's also defrauded his brother of the firstborn blessing. When his brother finds out his brother wants to murder him, 
wants to kill him because his, and he says, truly his name is Yahov. Truly his name is supplanter, deceiver, schemer, rip-off merchant. Truly he's lived up to his name. Mama, Rebecca, loved Jacob, so she sent him out of the country. She sent him to another country because she says, I don't want to stand over the grave of my son murdered. And don't say it hasn't happened before because Cain, the very first son, murdered his brother Abel, and I don't want a repeat of that. So she sends him away. Do you know how many people think that, you know what, Pastor, the issue is crazy Governor Mussolini. The issue is crazy California. The issue is... It's everything else. If I just move to Montana, Idaho, if I just move to Florida, if I move to Texas, if I move to another zip code, if I go to another geography, everything will change. Here's the problem. Wherever you go, you are there. Isn't that right, Annika? Wherever you go, there you are. And you will keep attracting to you not what you want, but who you are. So Jacob goes and serves Laban. Laban has no idea of Jacob's history, has no idea of what he's done to Esau, has no idea. But Jacob ends up working for Uncle Laban, and Laban has two daughters. Leah, the Bible says Leah had delicate eyes. I'm not sure what delicate eyes mean, whether one's staring at the other one uh, or whether she just kind of blinks a lot when, the, when, when the, the lights are bright. She has delicate eyes. But the Bible says the younger of the two, the younger of the two, Rachel, was beautiful in form and appearance. So Jacob is not into delicate eyes, but he is into form and appearance. And so Laban says, all right, tell me, tell me, my relative, what shall be your wages? What should your wages be? And he says, well, I'll, I'll serve you for, for Rachel. Okay, let's set it on seven years, seven years of serving, and I'll give you Rachel to be your wife. He's like, done. I'm working for the man. And so he's, see, he's, he works, for, and the Bible says he works for Laban, for, and it seemed like only a few days because of his love for her. On his wedding night, on his wedding night, Jacob is called beautiful Pastor Katie. He's got some essential oils because he wants to be just right. He's found some rose petals and candles and, I mean, his tent. Bonissimo. Bellissimo. And so, so just as it's all about to, Laban says, well, hang on, hang on, turn the lights out, turn the lights out. You can't turn the lights out. Modesty. So, <laughs> blows out all the candles. And then Jacob is waiting in the tent. Instead of Rachel coming into him, Laban, Uncle Laban, deceives him, deceives him with Leah and pushes Leah in. And you can't blame Jacob. He's been waiting seven years. It's been a hard day's night. It's been seven years. And so he wakes up the next morning. Ah! And, it's, and it's Leah. Good morning, husband. And he comes out. You just what happened? What happened? He moved to another country, but you know what he reaped? Galatians 6 7, God is not mocked. 
oh, oh, no, no, pastor, you don't understand. I sowed all of this in another country. No, 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 now I'm in a different country. No, 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 you, darling, you are still broadcasting. You are a magnet. You are still attracting. The law of attraction is not, does not respect geographical boundaries or zip codes. You do not attract to you what you want. You attract to you who you are. That's why in this church we are so intent and determined on discipleship because we know it's only discipleship that will go into the deep recesses of your heart and for you to begin to pull out the things that you don't want. Anything that you don't want in your life, uproot it from your life. Get it out of your life and you'll find your life begin to prosper. Number two, deal with your plank eye. Deal with your plank eye. If you said to me, hey, pastor, you've been a Christian now 38 years, 37 years, what's the biggest thing you've had to deal with, plank eye? Oh, you mean like, like red eye? No, plank eye? Oh, you mean like stink eye? No, plank eye. What's, what's pink eye? Plank eye. What is plank eye? Glad you asked. Jesus says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not perceive, in other words, you're completely unaware that you've got a whopping great big plank in your own eye. And you're like, hey, let me help you. Oh, my. Hey. There's a plank hanging out of your eye. And here's the plank. Jesus says the plank and the speck are made from the same substance. In other words, there's a thing called projection, that that which is most pronounced, that, that which you and I struggle with the most, we recognize in other people. I remember I was away with Leanne preaching, and there was a guy, and he was, I mean, he was sensational, Pastor Marco, sensational. But I was determined I didn't like him because my wife was smitten and went and bought three of his books. I'm like, she hasn't bought any of my books. <laughs> Nor has she changed a tire, Marco. Nor has she changed a... Someone needs to talk to Pastor Marco after service. And so, so, so anyway, so this is, my, this is my, my response, Josh. I'm like, yeah, I just felt like he talked too much about himself. <laughs> Look at me. And then I was... And then me... It wasn't even three days later, Leanne's playing one of my messages, and lo and behold, who's talking about themselves the whole freaking time? <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's like, well, well, well. <laughs> I'm like, why do you and my wife always gang up on me? I chose you to be my Lord and my Savior. And he's like, I'm trying to save you from yourself. I realized that what I was judging in other people, when I bought my Tesla, it was, it was gunmetal gray. And I thought, I'm going to buy gunmetal gray because everyone's got white. Everyone's got white. Everyone, white is everywhere. I saw a few red ones, saw some blue ones. So I'm getting gay because it's the least one. And then as soon as I bought it, boom, 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 boom. it was like the same weekend. I went out, everyone, hey, why don't we buy... It wasn't the, the same weekend, coincidentally, everyone went and bought them. It's because now that I had it, I saw it everywhere. Jesus said that ever since Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit and their eyes were open, their eyes were open in a broken state. Their eyes were open knowing good and evil from a fallen world that you will see in others that which you sometimes detest, loathe, or struggle with in yourself. And Jesus says, do this. When you see that, man, I don't like that person. They talk too much. Do you talk too much? Man, I don't like that person. They're always, do you have an issue with money? When you hear the people 
talking about racism, 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 just understand, wow, you see racism everywhere. You see it everywhere, Mr. Plank Eye. You hear about, hear about the guy who went to the doctor, and the doctor's like, well, what's wrong? He goes, pain, pain. He says, pain? He goes, yeah, when I touch my head, ah. Oh. He says, when I touch my shoulder, ah. Oh. When I touch my knee, ah. Oh. Touch my hip, ah. Oh. Touch my foot, ah. Oh. And the doctor says, hmm. Ah, oh, it's simple. You've got a broken finger. <laughs> the issue wasn't, the issue was, the issue isn't. The issue is. Deal with plank eye. Let the Holy Spirit do do a deep work in your heart. Always turn it in. Just say, "Hey, maybe is th maybe this is triggering me because exactly what I'm wanting to throw stones at is what's happening on the inside of me." Number three, six minutes to go. Number three. Oh dear Jesus. Develop high-level discernment. Now, the favorite, the favorite quote from non-Christians to Christians right now is, don't judge. Don't judge. You shouldn't judge. And, you know, Oprah, I just told them they were like those, you know, those Christians, and they were judging me. Oh, I hate Christians that judge. Oh, you shouldn't judge. So a lot of people, a lot of people bought into the Oprah and saying, oh, okay, you know what? I'm just not going to judge. I, 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 I want to be a good Christian. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take my brain and I'm just going to leave it over here. <laughs> brain, I don't need you anymore because Jesus said don't judge. So I'm just going to... I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna love everybody. Oh, you wanna, you wanna serve in kids' church? And, and, and you, you've got a checkered sexual history? Go right ahead. We don't judge anybody. You better believe, when Jesus is saying don't judge and don't condemn, he's saying don't pick up stones and throw it at people when they make mistakes or have the worst day. He says, because if you do that, and if you lock people up for mistakes that they made or a, a bad day, none of us will be free. We'll all be walking around in prison. When he says don't judge, he didn't say don't stop discerning. He said keep discerning because he goes into it. Hey, do men gather figs from thorn bushes or, or uh, you know, apples from? No. He says you gather grapes from grape trees, you grab a, f uh, you gather figs from fig trees, a tree is known by its fruit. He says, beware of false teachers, you shall know them, not by their teaching. He says, you shall know them by their fruit. Beware of false prophets. It's not the prophecy that you assess, it's the fruit of the prophet. Because if you are so profound, Mr. Prophet, how come it ain't working in your life? How come you're broke? How come you're evicted? How come th th there's restraining orders? Over you, how come 
if it ain't working in your life, how's it going to work in mind? You look at the fruit. Don't listen to the word. Look at the fruit of somebody's life. We need to be great fruit inspectors. That requires discernment. I had a guy lose $100,000 because he went into business with a guy who said he's a Christian. And I said, how on earth did you see the guy? He's here illegally and from another nation, not from Mexico. He, and he, was, he would fly into Canada and fly into different places just to, just to kind of restamp his his visiting visa was doing cash work under the table, everything deceptive, but had a smoking deal with oil. This big oil tycoon was going to partner with him, and he could, he just needed a hundred grand. So this guy jumped in. I said, Why would you do that? He's got disheveled hair, broken teeth, like drives a bummy car. Oh, no, 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 he was a Christian. I'm obviously not. Obviously not. Christians don't treat people like that. They don't take a hundred grand and then run off. And li- that's not Christian behavior. Oh, but he said he was. Why did? Because I didn't want to judge. OMG! Start discerning. You are meant to discern. Don't be deceived. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Do you know they say the greatest predictor of future behavior is past behavior? If you're dating him, oh no, he's changed. Really? He was a serial liar. He was a serial dater. He was a serial dump. And now you're. Honey, unless the fruit has changed, stay away. But he's cute. It doesn't matter. Don't look at his cute. Look at his fruit. His fruit says run for the freaking hills. Run for the hills. Numero cuatro. With two minutes to go. Dear Jesus, help me. Operate in the seventh sense. What's the seventh sense? Glad you asked. Five is the number of grace. God has graced us with five senses. Sight, sound, taste, touch, smell. Five senses. There was a movie came out in Hollywood called The Sixth Sense. And it was the opening of the spiritual realm. There really is a spiritual dimension. So this was a little kid who saw dead people everywhere, and it's a powerful movie. But I want you to not just operate in, in the spirit realm, because the occult operates in the spirit realm. In fact, the word occult comes from the word hidden or covered. That's why it's a witch's coven, witch's coven. So, but God will help to reveal the Holy Spirit is the seventh sense, the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the moment you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you start speaking in languages you've never learned. And the Bible says that these languages can at any one time come from three different sources. The Bible says you can speak in tongues of men, you can speak in tongues of angels, and then there's also a secret code. You speak in unknown tongues. Unknown tongues are mysteries. You speak mysteries. Indeed, with his spirit out as mysteries, these are unknown tongues. He speaks not to men, but to God. They're the ones that you'll hear when we're praying over a prayer what's he saying none of your beeswax it's unknown tongues it's not for interpretation angelic tongues is a word from heaven uh, tongues of men is a word for men and you'll, you'll hear so there are three different types of tongues but then there are nine gifts of the spirit there are nine gifts of the spirit spirit of discernment of spirits you just discern something everything looks right everything's varnished right everything's veneered right but something is just a little bit oh, it's discernment of spirits and it'll, it'll, the Holy Spirit will tell you this person's carrying this spirit or they're carrying that spirit it will save you it's amazing how 
many churches when we got here decided, oh, no, Holy Spirit bad. No, no, we don't do Holy Spirit here. I'm like, why would you step away from the power? The Holy Ghost is, ah, the devil. The devil doesn't want you switched on. Can I tell you, if you did nothing else in 2023 but develop the seventh sense, develop walking in the Spirit, develop praying in the Spirit. We do the one-year Bible. Next year we're doing the one-year Bible. I think it's the seventh or eighth year that Leanne and I do in the systematically one-year Bible. But I'm adding with it, I'm going to put the challenge out, add with it five to ten minutes, and you can do longer, five to ten minutes every day. Just just pray in tongues. When you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit, the discernment, you'll have words of knowledge, words of wisdom. The prophetic begins to flow. It's incredible. Faith, miracles, healings, all flow from the Holy Ghost. You were created to operate in the supernatural. I say all of this to say that when you operate in the, the seventh sense, it, it gives you a supernatural insight. So you'll hear this on Oprah where after don't judge me, people will say this, you don't know my heart. You don't know my heart. Don't judge me because you don't know my heart. And you're meant to be like, yeah, you're right. I can. Your heart is hidden behind the cavity in your chest by your, your rib cage. And you're right. I can't see your heart. Don't you judge me because you don't know my heart. So have a look at this verse that Jesus said. Jesus said, in verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure, 645, of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the for out of the abundance of the heart, the, the mouth speaks. In other words, in John 2:24, the Bible says Jesus did not give himself to them because he knew what was in their hearts. Oh. So Jesus, that's a little judgy judge your son. How do you know what's in their heart? Jesus, well, actually, you, if you operate in the seventh spirit, you can act. You can know what's in a person's heart, even though it's hidden and invisible. Yeah. Jesus says, good man, good treasure, evil man, evil treasure. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your words will always locate you. You always know what's in a person's heart by what is coming out of their mouth. If you want a wonderful life, listen, Jesus is sitting at a table and a woman comes in, broken woman, broken woman. Jesus has rescued her from a life of prostitution and brokenness, cast seven demons out of this girl. She comes and her sexuality has been such a mess. She she wanted as a little girl to get married, but now she's got all this stuff and she's still unpackaging. But what she knows is that Jesus is saying that his departure is not far away, that he's... And so she has an alabaster jar of oil that is given to a girl for her wedding night where she breaks the alabaster jar. The, 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 the perfume ferments over time so that the first night when her and her husband are intimate, it is stamped with the beautiful fragrant scent of the perfume so that even as they're 30, 40, 50 years married, when they smell that smell of that fragrant, it takes them back to the first night, their first kiss, their first embrace, their first moment of intimacy together. She brings this alabaster jar and she breaks it and pours it out on, on Jesus because she says, I may never get married, but no man 
touched me without taking advantage of me. Most every other man touched to take, but you touched and delivered. You touched and brought freedom. You touched and brought cleansing. You touched and brought healing. I may never get married, but I'm in love with you. And she pours it out on Jesus. It was a powerful moment, powerful moment. Judas, one of the 12. Why this waste? Uh, should have been sold and given to the poor. I can't believe you're wasting that on. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The next Bible verse says, this Judas said, not because he cared for the poor. He didn't have a heart for the poor. This he said because he was a thief and was in charge of the money box. And he would often steal. He would often take what was in it. This was the same Judas who goes out and asks the Pharisees, what will you give me? If I hand him over to you, I'm on the inside, I can arrange this. So they arranged 30 pieces of silver. Out of the abundance of Judas's heart, his mouth spoke. Your words are a locator. When you're with people, when you're with people, when you're with people, don't fall for the lie of the devil that you don't know their heart. Listen to their words. Their words always reveal their heart. It will save you pain. It will save you loss. It will save you from bankruptcy. It will save you from entering into contracts with charlatans and crooks and criminals. The last one, number five, and we're out of time, is storm-proof your life. Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain comes down, the flood comes up, wind blows, the house stands. But whoever hears these sayings of mine, these are church people or a church culture. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, he's like a fool. He built his house on the sand. The rain, same rain came down. Same flood came up. Same wind blew, but his house fell. This guy stood. You may say, well, yeah, because Chris Aguilar built the other. No, no, no. They could have had the same two construction companies. They could have used the same material, the same timber, the same cladding, the same drywall. They could have used the same brick, the same roof, the same tile. They could have used the same material. One was built on rock as a foundation. The other one was built on sand as a foundation. It was the foundation, not the structure. Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise man. If you want a wonderful life, can I tell you, don't just hear Jesus is saying and say, well, you know, I hear what you say, Pastor, but you know, Plato, <laughs> Socrates, Aristotle, the Buddha says, sadly this week, a guy who used to be a hero of mine, pastor from Atlanta, Georgia, did an Instagram post apologizing to non-Christians. If, if we as Christians have ever kind of said, hey, you know, this is what Jesus said. And we kind of like put it on you, like you should apply this to your life. I'm sorry. You know, if that offended you, I'm sorry. We, we, we should never ask you to obey some of Jesus's words. I'm like, oh dear God, like you need to just quit right now, resign right now. You are so backslidden and so deceived and deluded. It's not funny. Jesus is teaching this in his first sermon. He hasn't had an altar call yet. Nobody has gotten saved. 
and he's saying to unsaved people, if you hear these sayings of mine and apply them, you'll be like a wise man builds his house on the rock. Oh, that's a little arrogant. No, it's called confident. Jesus knows heaven and earth will pass away, but my word endureth forever. Genesis 1 says, God said, let there be light. When there was light. I asked God, I said, God, when is your word at its most powerful? When it's spoken or when it's, when it's believed? The Bible says, and, and, and the, the person had faith. And Jesus said, your way, your faith has healed you. Your faith has delivered you. Your faith has restored your sight. Your faith. I said, God, where, where, where's your word most powerful? When it's spoken or when it's believed? And the Holy Spirit gave me neither option. He says, my word is most powerful in your life when it's obeyed. When you hear the word and obey it in your life, you will stormproof your life. See, when everybody was fleeing California, I didn't need to flee California. Yeah, but pastor, did you see they stole the election? Did you see this? And, and the lockdowns and the shutdowns and, and the hypocrisy and the defund the police and the crime and the chaos and all that. We should move to, and I, 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 don't, need to, I don't need to flee the storm. Why do you not need to flee the storm? Because you know what's stormproof? The Word of God. If you have the Word of God, can I tell you, the Word of God doesn't work only in fair conditions. It doesn't need favorable circumstances. The Word of God is stormproof. The Word of God can sustain in famine and in plenty. The Word of God, the Word of God has survived tyrannical governments. The Word of God, there was another in the fire standing next to me. Three men refused to bow and they found the Word of God standing beside them in the fire. The Word was there in the lion's den. The Word was there when they were crossing the Red Sea. The Word was there for 40 years as they traversed a wilderness without food, shelter, or water. The Word was there when they faced Jericho. The Word was there when David faced Goliath. The Word always works. The Word always comes up triumphant. They crucified the Word on a Friday, but on Sunday, he that Word got up out of the grave, dusted himself up. Death, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, everlasting life. The Word always prevails. The Word always overcomes. Take the Word and apply it to your life. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I'm out of time. <clears throat> say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, today I surrender my life to Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior. Today, Lord Jesus, Your words in my life, I hear them and I want to obey them. Put them deep into my heart so that my life Come on, so that my life can manifest your wonders in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.